welcome to the VSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast. And obviously, regular listeners will know that both Phil and I have been away, so we haven't done one for a while. And actually, I'm currently in sunny Vancouver. The sun is just coming up. Phil, you're in hot, hot, hot London. Uh, it's a lot cooler over here. But um, we, I'm in Vancouver because I have been doing a completely non-deal roadshow, but with Larry Zulch of Infinity Energy Systems, I've uh, been going around the United States, uh, New York, Salt Lake City, San Francisco. We're now up in Vancouver. We've got a, a, a conference we're going to today and tomorrow called Planet Microcap. We've got a site visit this afternoon where investors are going to come along and see it. Um, so uh, we've decided to make this a little bit of a, a special. And actually, we've got Larry Zulch on the line with us, haven't we? Morning, Larry. Good morning, Andrew. Okay, so Phil, I'm going to ask the first question, but do butt in and make sure you get a few of your questions. But this is very much, we're going to try and ask the questions uh, that investors would like to ask themselves. Now, I tweeted um, earlier this week uh, three of the sort of main questions we've been getting um, from investors as we've gone around the United States. And so I'm just going to start off asking those three questions, and then, then you can have a question after that, Phil. But you know I like to always try and hog the limelight anyway. Uh, so, Larry, here we go. You've got three questions coming up, first of all. Um, this is quite a quick-fire um, question-and-answer session because we, we don't want to take up too long. So, question number one uh, is, why is your stock... Well, everybody's been asking, why is your stock price so low? Uh, and it's a good question. And I will say it went up 15% last week, so I was pleased with that. But, you know, the the reality is that... that we are in a long-term process and the win is going to be over time and we are making s such good progress. But if you're looking at it at the very short term, I think it sometimes can seem to some of our uh, shareholders that and, and potential investors that is, is taking a long time. And these things do take time, but we're on track. Also, I would say that the UK market right now is um, a bit of a challenge. Um, we're, we're certainly seeing that, so we're not unaffected by that as well. But I, I look at it as a buying opportunity. Well, I can certainly verify the UK market is a bit of a challenge. Um, and you're right, you know, to develop a completely new battery system does take time. People always, you know, unfortunately, investors want, want it to happen tomorrow. It doesn't happen tomorrow. So that's sort of fair enough. Right now, the second question we've been asked a lot, obviously, you know, the big news coming out is next year, you've got this joint development and commercialization program with Siemens. Um, you're going to launch this new product, the Mistral, which is a complete and utter game changer. So the question we've been asked, as you know, Larry, you've heard it as well, is are Siemens just going to bid for you once you launch this product? You know, we are working very, very well with Siemens Gamesa and Gamesa Electric right now. Our, our development program is on track. <clears throat> We're very pleased with the results. Uh, we have a great and close relationship with them, and we have a commercialization agreement as well. We wouldn't be able to do what we are doing if we were part of a larger organization with all of the inertia and everything else that, that is implied with that. We're moving well. We're moving quickly. And we think that that kind of thinking is actually a great counterpart to uh, Siemens Gamesa, and I, they believe the same thing. So I think it's more of a, a partnership, despite our uh, relative difference in sizes, it's more of a partnership than looking at some combination that would likely slow down our, our uh, impact on the market. Yeah, as a slight aside on that, of course, I think most people know that I've been presenting about long duration energy storage on, on this trip because I, I can't actually present on a specific company because of US regulation. And my comparison with what you're doing in long duration energy storage is very similar to what 
when I was first financing Arm back in the early 90s. Uh, and it's very similar. Arm just had partners all the time. Uh, it never, and actually taking over Arm would have been very difficult because it had all these different partners. And I think you could be in the same position. You're not just with Siemens Gamesa, are you? You, you, you know, you're, gonna, you're building partnerships all around the world. That is true. And, and, uh, and, and the reason is because energy storage has been going from sort of a future nice to have to a today's must to have. And that's um, and, and the, the, the anticipation of us having a large scale economical product that doesn't catch fire and doesn't wear out and works at grid scale. We're, we're thrilled with the responses we're getting out of the out of the actual potential purchasers of energy storage. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it's all about to happen. But that's another question. Let me ask the third question, because I promised I'd ask these three questions. And that is, we're getting asked a lot, and obviously it's very relevant when you're in the United States, is are you going to be getting some money from the DOE? Because obviously with the IRA, they're handing out some quite big checks. And we saw last week that uh, EOS got a sort of, actually, well, it didn't actually get it, of course, but it got potentially $400 million of debt, which could be quite worrying. It actually hasn't got it. It's got a lot of CPs it has to cover, I think, before it actually gets all the money. But are you, the question we were getting, are you likely to get involved with some of the IRA-type loans and deals that are out there? Uh, we're already involved in that kind of thing, and um, and we're pursuing it actually quite strongly. We just brought on an, a new person in the United States to work with our um, head of of uh, business development already in the U.S. Um, to pursue this kind of thing. But, you know, it is a big government. It does take time. The Internal Revenue Service, the, the tax authority, has not yet given a final ruling in certain areas. So, again, a little patience is required, but the potential is large. There certainly is a lot of money being thrown at, at energy storage and the energy market in the United States right now. Well, those are the three questions I promised to ask. I'll now... Phil, I'll let you have a little go. That's very kind of you, Andrew. I've been sat here all quiet, baking in London. Nice to uh, nice to chat again, Larry. Um, the one area I think is really interesting for you is the Asia market. And you signed a number of partnerships um, in Asia. Can you tell us a bit more about how you see the opportunity um, out there for Infinity? Yeah, so the the global market uh, for energy storage is it changes a bit region by region, but it's universal. There is a need for energy storage, and uh, Asia um, has certain countries where there was a very rapid uptake of energy storage. Korea is a great example of that. They put in more lithium-based energy storage, as we know, they make lithium batteries. Um, they also had a large number of devastating fires to the point that they basically stopped putting in much energy storage. And now there's a real need for it. They're looking at alternatives. The most proven one is, is Invinity's uh, vanadium flow batteries. And so we're seeing real uptake there. Taiwan is another important market for us because they, they, they are looking at en energy storage as part of their shift to renewable energy and yet they also, being very dense, compact little island, do not want to have uh, uh, systems that are prone to fire, wear out, et cetera, et cetera. So we're, we're finding a great deal of interest in a number of Asian countries, and those two lead the pack. Yeah, it's really interesting. And we're seeing a lot of news as well on uh, wind and solar 
deployments. And I know that's an area of opportunity you've been looking at. Yeah, you know, the, when you look at wind uh, and you say, what is the optimum energy storage for wind? It doesn't exist right now. It, it, if you have systems that um, the wind cycles pretty fast, you know, it comes and goes. And that can be two, three, four times a day where it's producing energy and then it gets quiescent and then it comes along again. Um, that means that the energy storage systems are, if they're based on lithium, they wear out fast. I know I keep talking about lithium, but that is the market right now. And we are coming in to displace a fair share of that. It won't take a great deal of displacement to be an incredible success for, for Infinity. But we are the first product, the next generation one that we'll be announcing next year will really be the first product tailor-made for wind. So every time you see wind power going in, it requires energy storage. And that energy storage, a high percentage of it's gonna be ours. Yeah. Actually, Larry, I wanna pick up on it, both of the Asia and the solar wind question, because, um, in particular, you know, I noticed this morning that Robert Friedland, a person that you know has done incredibly successful, Canadian, uh, Ivanhoe Electric, actually VRB, his company, which makes Vanadium flow batteries too, but in China, uh, they're actually based in Vancouver, of course. But uh, you know, the, the Asian country you didn't mention perhaps is China. Not that you're about to go to China, I, I think that's right. But what it, we have picked up, and obviously we have an office in in China, and we have a lot of relationships there, is that in the last few months. China has actually, the government has actually put it out there that it wants vanadium flow batteries to be built by the Chinese. And, and we've obviously been discussing this. And of course, the reason is they have absolutely dominated the lithium space. But they've also made it quite clear that they want the lithium to go into EVs so that they can then dominate the EV market, both in China and Europe, and probably in America. And so they're saying for energy storage, don't touch that lithium. We need that so that we can beat off, we can, we can claim the car market. Uh, and then on top of that, Robert, what Robert Friedman was saying today was the Chinese government have actually said there is no point us building any more solar plants because we, without the energy storage, there is no point. And these are all our points sort of put together in terms of Asia and the need. There's no point doing any more wind or solar at the moment because without the storage, it, it does, it's pointless. So in other words, SWB that I talk about a lot, solar wind batteries, the SW is there. It's just the B we need. And you are the solution, aren't you? Yeah, it, it really is quite an interesting position to be in. I mean, in South Australia, um, they, they pay people to take energy when the sun's shining and then um, are desperate for power when the sun goes down. Uh, that's where Tesla put in their first grid, grid scale battery. Uh, you know, we're, there's no question that, that it is a huge shift we're right on the verge of, which is renewable energy is maxing out without energy storage. Uh, and China is uh, able to, to put in a lot of renewable energy under sort of state control and then say, uh-oh, we put in this solar and we, we don't have enough energy storage for it. Well, the dynamics you talked about are, are very accurate. But we have no real interest in being in the Chinese market. There are vanadium flow battery producers there. Um, it's, it's something that we see as being an area outside of our area of, of interest at this point to be putting in vanadium flow batteries in China. But they're a good example of why, why vanadium flow batteries in the rest of the world are important. 
Yeah, I mean, that's right. So let me ask another question that I think, you know, certainly UK retail investors always want to know is, Larry, what's, what's the news flow looking like in the next few months? Because that sort of drives share prices. And, you know, we love to hear orders coming through as a, I don't mean this critical, as a group, they tend to be a bit stop go your orders. You know, you, you announce a couple <laughs> of really big ones, and then we get a bit of a, a vacuum of news flow. How, how's your news flow looking? Uh, tell us what you're allowed to say, obviously, but for the next yeah. few months. I guess what I'd say is last year, our, our Q4, we, we, we sold more uh, batteries storage than our entire existence before that. So it was all sort of backloaded to the end of the year. And that dynamic continues. And, and we see that coming along in a variety of different ways the, the, or for a variety of different reasons. The end of year budgets, these projects take time. And as people get to the end of the year and say, oh, I, I really want to get this set and established, um, for all those reasons, it seems to be backloaded. We, of course, are working a number of deals and are very, feeling very, very confident about them. So uh, without disclosing any specifics, I'd say I'm not concerned about what we're going to be able to demonstrate this year. Go on, Phil, your turn. Yeah, I was going to say, Larry, that, that's good news. But, uh, you know, as a business, you need to be able to manufacture and deliver. Can you tell us a little bit about how you're seeing the um, component supply situation at the moment? Because obviously that's impacted all sorts of industries, including automotive especially. But uh, are you seeing things easing up in terms of, in terms of supply of, of key components? Hey, Phil, well, it all, it all depends on what you're talking relative to. Certainly during the depths of COVID, there were some supply chain disruptions that were just brutal. Uh, and we don't, aren't seeing anything like that now. But we are still seeing some remnant challenges. I would say, though, that manufacturing uh, is something that we have, have now refined to the point where we're feeling quite confident in our ability to meet not just this year's uh, demand, but next year's demand and preparing for real growth when when our next generation product comes out. Uh, so you're right to to point at manufacturing and, and the supply chain. But right now we're we're feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's good news. And Larry, another one. I know we've discussed this, and listeners might be interested. Can you talk a bit more about what is happening with regulation? because it does drive these markets, whether it's short duration, long duration energy. Can you just talk a little bit more uh, about what's happening in terms of you know, long duration? Because as you say, you know, the grid is maxing out, storage is critical, but what are governments doing in your key areas about regulation? You know, each government has its own plan and process, and, and some of them are looking forward more than others. Uh, you know, the, the United States has done a pretty good job of providing federal level incentive for energy storage that is four hours and longer. And that is one of many definitions for long duration energy storage. Um, but but um, that also has to be matched by the individual tariff arrangements where who's the developers are able to make money on stores, they're able to have a fair marketplace, et cetera, et cetera. And that, some of that's still catching up. I note that in the UK, um, there's a, a, a need for the tariff situation, the economics to be acknowledging the need for greater than two hour storage right now that um, some of the regulations were 
were embedded when two-hour storage felt like long duration. Now we don't think of that anymore. Over time, there will be a whole array of durations and kinds of storage and technologies and et cetera, all across the entire entire electric grid, country by country, tariff by tariff, regulation by regulation. Navigating all of that is something that we've put a lot of energy into. We really focus on Australia, UK, and the United States, um, and North America, including Canada, where I am now. I don't mean to neglect them. Um, all of those are areas where we have a primary focus so that we can both support and even influence uh, future regulations. And Larry, I, I guess the final one for me, but may have some more, is, is just in terms of the volatility in the energy markets uh, that we saw last year, do you think that's had a long-lasting change on approach to the, the grid, its operations, to storage markets? I, it, it's a cry for help in one sense. When you take a commodity that everyone needs, um, and electricity is certainly that, um, and then try and make the supply of it based uh, in a variable situation. So there's con you know this demand that is regular and reliable, and then this variation in the ability to supply it, and try and use pure market uh, uh, schemes <laughs> to try and produce it, you'll get these incredible spikes in volatility because there really isn't enough flexibility on the supply side over the minutes and hours that that is required to supply this. So energy storage is actually one of the answers to that volatility. It comes in and tends to spread everything out. But it is a cry for help to say our tariffs are outdated. They are using the wrong incentives for um, new energy production. And they are biased toward a systems that are more easily controllable meaning fuel-based, meaning making lots of carbon, um, than the modern systems based with a high percentage of renewable energy. So storage is, a, is it's clear how important storage will be to reduce volatility in the future alongside some updating of the, of the tariff situation. Yeah, very interesting. So, Larry, I know you've got to get away in a second. Let me ask one more question. Let's see what you're allowed, you feel you can say all right on this one. Because, you know, one of the things a lot of people look at with this company is they go, you know, you've raised a lot of money in the past. I think it's probably over the years, not all through you. Some of it was through Red Tea. I think I'd raised you about 150 million pounds or so. Um, you know, the marketplace you're looking at, it's not even in billions of dollars. It's trillions of dollars. I mean, it's so big, it's unbelievable. I've been making this comparison between you and Arm. Arm, of course, was the classic license and royalty model. So never, you know, it didn't have a, a sucking need for capital. How are you looking at your business? I mean, you, you, we've talked about partners, but can you get to the stage, which would be amazing, and say what you can, but where basically everything is built by partners, almost under license. I, I know you may come back and say, not the stack, um, but you can, you know, have a, an automated stack facility, probably in Vancouver, at not too much cost. Uh, could you get to the stage where the vanadium, which is obviously a huge part of your business and vanadium electrolyte, is actually provided through some other mechanism? So, again, that's, for want of a better word, taken off balance sheet. We know that, you know, Largo had created this ETF where they can put the, effectively store the vanadium in a battery rather than in a warehouse. Can you see a model where 
you can effectively, license and royalties isn't the way, but using partners, take everything off balance sheet and basically you just get all the rewards. You ask if I can see it, I can see it, but but I but I step back and say, we've spent a lot of money getting to the point where we have put um, the largest flow batteries ever um, in multiple countries, the largest in the US and Canada and UK and Australia, and we're proving that technology. We needed a degree of control over not only the intellectual property, but the execution of that intellectual property that creation of a product resulting product and that's what we've been working on with Siemens Gamesa is this uh further development of the of this next generation flow battery in the long run the most important thing that we have is our intellectual property our understanding of the chemistry and the control of vanadium flow batteries how we express that well that still to be decided in many ways. Right now, wrapping a battery system around our intellectual property is the way that we can most rapidly get a, a, a full acceptance of this very important alternative to lithium batteries. And I do note that we don't manufacture the majority of our system. We have contract manufacturing for that and we intend to continue. You're not gonna see us put up large factories um, on our own without some kind of significant assistance by governments or um, uh, other other partners. Uh, and, 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 and we really will stay concentrated around the areas where our intellectual property is best expressed. Larry, I, I know you've got to jump off uh, uh, and do another meeting. Um, so we'll let you do that. I mean, just to sort of wrap up, I, I think your interims are due to come out at sort of towards the end of September. Uh, hopefully, after then, be it end of September, early October, uh, you'll get over to London and, and we can sort of follow up this, this type of conversation with um, existing institutions, existing investors, retail investors. I think, it's, you know, I think it's really important that people are able to get a very full understanding of this business because it is quite a complicated business. I, I'm lucky. I've just spent a, you know, a week traveling around the United States with you chatting endlessly. And it's, it's, when you chat regularly, you, your understanding becomes so much better and it really does open your mind. So look, hopefully anybody listening to this, if you need to get, have a chat somehow with Larry, hopefully we'll see him uh, around that time. I, I always look forward to coming to London. And what I will say is um, it is a complex business matched only by its potential. And I appreciate your support and the support of all of our uh, advisors, brokers, shareholders, investors, customers. It It is not <clears throat> one group making anything happen, but that is uh, what's going to be required for the biggest transformation in energy that we have seen, not just in my lifetime, but really in hundreds of years as we move to electrify the world, as we move to renewable energy, and as we move to having vanadium flow batteries as part of it. Great finish, Larry. I'll let you jump off because I know it's an important meeting you've got uh, coming up any second. Phil and I will just have a quick wrap up by ourselves. But thanks, Larry. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank, no, thank you. Thanks, Phil. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye. Whoop, and there's Larry gone. <laughs> so now you're back with just <laughs> Phil and me, listeners. Um, what, do you, what do you think, Phil? You, you obviously, are, you know, what, have you got any questions you want to ask me as well? As obviously, I've been running around the States with Larry and uh, it's been fascinating. 
yeah, look, I've, I've followed technology for many years, um, and this is one of the biggest market opportunities I've seen for uh, many years. Do, do you get the sense that investors are, are really seeing that? They're grasping it, and but appreciating the time it takes to develop into these markets? It's interesting. US investors look at this very differently, actually, from UK investors. Uh, and it's not also, of course, just investors. This industry the spotlight is coming from all sorts of directions. I mentioned you know, how Robert Friedland is getting very excited about it and other people. I think it really, and you feel it much more in the States, it has dawned on people. Long duration energy storage is coming. It is a multi-trillion dollar market. And that is a vast number. As Larry ended up there, the electrification of the world, you've got to have it. There's, there's no choice. It is going to happen. And... We know that Invinity is the most advanced and most commercial of all the vanadium flow battery companies. And actually, with the new Mistral product, just alone as it's coming out, as they're describing it, will basically take you to a levelized cost of energy storage lower than that of gas. But if you could also do this trick with vanadium, where you take the vanadium price out, because actually you can keep the vanadium exactly the same state at the end, your cost of energy falls way below that of gas. And, you know, one of the things that drives any industrial revolution is not the fact we all want to go green. It's, it's a lovely ambition to all go green, but it's economics. You know what? These guys in 2025, 2026, I'm telling you, they will have the ability to provide energy significantly lower, in my opinion, than gas. And that's when you change. And you think how big the gas market is out there, that's going to get replaced by solar wind batteries. It is the future. Eighty percent of all our energy, I believe, will be solar wind batteries at the end of all of this. Well, well, it's God. It's usually exciting, isn't it? I mean, well, uh, it's you know, it's like you yeah, know. I'll tell you well, what. To me, this is like you know, a horse. It's the favourite, but it's a hundred to one. I mean, the downside really is pretty bloody limited. Um, so I am. I, look, everybody knows I'm very excited about it. It is, in my view, the most exciting company I've worked with now since I, I did finance and, and helped build up ARM in the 90s, uh, the market side, it's so big, I think people struggle to get their head around it. They just can't believe the market will be that big. Oh, there we are. Well, anyway, I better leave you back to your, your hot and sweaty office, Phil. Uh, <laughs> as you. usual, when we wrap up the, these podcasts, if anybody's got further questions, do feel free to get in touch with us directly. Um, if you're particularly, obviously, on Infinity Energy Systems, you've got specific things, do, do, do ask. Um, and next week we'll be back to normal, back to the, the normal, you know, drive through all the results. And let's just hope that the London capital markets, you know, well, I, I think St. Ledger Day is in the middle of next week. Uh, so hopefully the markets will perk up a little bit, uh, which they're supposed to come back on St. Ledger Day. Um, and we can get a bit of activity in the markets. But hey, Phil, um, yeah, back to work. And I'm, I'm going to go off and do a load of meetings myself. Super. Great to chat, Andrew, and look forward to catching up again next week. This podcast has been produced and edited by VSA Capital. It is intended for information purposes and not as investment advice. The information is intended for recipients who understand the risks associated with equity investments in smaller companies. Please do your own research and do not rely on a single source when making an investment decision. VSA Capital may derive fees from this content and seeks to do business with the companies mentioned.